Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, good evening. Welcome to California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your ghost host. Probably get sued by Disney for that. Your ghost host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. Uh, we are 45 strong up and down the state of California, and we have new members coming in, so we're gaining more momentum with that as well, so we can get to you. The only issue is California is this huge state, and people don't realize how big it really is. And I know when you think of California, you think of surfers and all that. It is that on our West Coast. But it gets progressively colder going up north. Plus, we've got deserts. We've got high desert. We've got, we've got the Sierra Nevada Mountains, you know, and, and all that going on. And so there's farmland. There's rural areas. So it might take us a couple days to get out to help you. But we will help you. In fact, we do have uh, sensitives on staff who can call you and talk to you about what may or may not be going on in your home or business. And in most cases, they, they can settle things down until we can get out there. But it never takes more than one or two days to get out there, okay? All right, that being said, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, and a lot of you are, please be sure to hit that, that follow button if you haven't done so already. You know, we're always open for followers. And also, uh, because of the way the FYP works on these things, uh, be sure to, if, if you like what you hear, be sure to hit a thumbs up and a heart or something or, or something like that and have and to share the conversation over, you know, in the chat room, because what that does is Facebook sees that, the, well, the Facebook computer sees that, and it, it puts us up higher in the algorithms and distributes us out to more people. YouTube, we've got almost 800 videos at YouTube, and it's all this show. Every topic you can think of, I've started to put things under categories, so you can just automatically go in there and find who and what you want to hear, okay? But uh, we're looking for subscribers. I got a big goal for subscribers for Christmas, you know, hopefully... Uh, I'll have my I'm a big chunk of uh, thousand subscribers on Christmas. That's what I want. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking towards. It's not about monetizing. It's about hitting that that, that milestone, right? But anyway, um, yeah. Please be sure if you haven't if you're watching from YouTube, if you haven't subscribed already, please be sure to do so, and uh, that that would be greatly appreciated. And the same rule thing, as far as likes and all that good stuff. Do you do the same thing and comment, and that puts us higher in the YouTube FYP, so they distribute us out again. All right. If you want to find us, you can find us at on, on Facebook on your California Haunts, California Haunts Radio, and Sacramento Sears, S E E R S, spelled like the Greek Sears. Right. All right. Over at TikTok, we are California Haunts. Over at YouTube, you can either find us under California Haunts or California Haunts Radio. Either one. Uh, TikTok, we are. I'm sorry, TikTok. Ha. Twitter, all oh, X. Formerly, yeah. Twitter, uh, Twitter, we're known as California Haunts. On Twitch, we are known as Cal Haunts. And over on Instagram, we are a ghosty gal, and that's all lowercase. All right. That being said, a couple of quick announcements. We're going to be changing the intro to these shows. I'm going to be doing it this week. I was hoping to have it done today. Didn't have a chance. So you're going to see a totally new intro, and I, I think you're going to like it. It's going to be, it's going to be a shorter intro, a more five-minute lead-in. It's going to be a shorter intro. So I think you're going to like it. And we are working on Patreon. We're trying to set up a date with Nancy Matz to get that first psychic reading in so you guys can get, you know, your 5, 10, or 15-minute psychic reading. 
All right. So, well, I should have a date for that by Monday, and we can get that ball rolling. All right. That being said, let me bring our guest in. And uh, it's an interesting story in that you hear a lot about this, about what colleges, you know, where there's some students that don't want, essentially don't want to leave after death or something happens, and, and, and there's a haunting you know, in, in one of the dorm rooms and things like that. And this gentleman experienced something similar, only his was a ghost boy. So it's a really famous case. I'm going to let him tell you about it. And I don't want to botch his name. I'm going to try it. I'm horrible with names. You guys know that. Christopher Cesare is with us tonight to talk about the ghost boy. So let me bring him in. Well, hello. Hello. How you doing, sir? Good, thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm excited about this. Tell us about you. Well, I am a dual certified history and special education teacher in New York State, which I love doing. Uh, I am a, a dad. I'm a, I'm a grandpa. I like things like that. I used to run marathons back in the day. I ran 13 marathons. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of good friends in my life right now. I like ice cream. So I think those are some good things to share. Fantastic. So you have a unique story to tell. When did all this take place and how, you know, how, how did you encounter the ghost boy? Well, it, it's a little bit different than that. Um, okay. I was the ghost boy. People called me that because I was talking with the spirit in my room. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And, and that's an odd type of thing, right? I didn't, I didn't name myself that. I didn't have like the black t-shirt and cross my arm and shave my head and make myself some kind of <laughs> logo or meme. I didn't do that. But uh, during this haunting that took place at my college back in 1985, People began to point at me and say, look, there's the ghost boy, because I was, okay, I believe I was talking to the, the spirit in my room. And that makes sense. Right. And uh, it's, uh, it's one of the things, too, where when you're a teenager, you want to define yourself. You want to decide right. what you're going to be, you know, and when people define you, it's a tough thing. So at first I didn't like that, that label. And eventually I right. began to realize over the years that people viewed me in that light and it helped them understand the situation and maybe learn a bit more. So I began to gradually accept that as a, as a nickname. And now it's part of who I am when I speak in public. Well, yeah, I read your book. It's a great book. And that's why I wanted to bring that out to clear, clear it up for the people that haven't read it yet. So, you know, so, so, so they know what there is. Um, you kind of remind me of a story that somebody told me here because I'm a ghost hunter. People know that, that you know, that I'm involved with all that. And the funny thing is my house is very active. It's been active since I was a kid, probably active before then. But I was unloading groceries one day, and I'm the only one that lives here with my dogs. And one of the neighborhood kids rolls up on a bicycle. And I said, How, can I help you? And he looks at me and he goes, you have ghosts. Not you ghost hunt. Right. You right. have ghosts. So it makes me wonder when I'm not here. <laughs> You know, what they're seeing, what, yes. Yeah, what they're seeing, you know, lights turning on and off or what. So that's kind of like them calling you the ghost boy. That's what that reminded me of because I, I was taken aback because it never occurred to me that there would be things, you know, going on when I'm not here, but apparently there are. Right. And you never quite know how people view you. You don't know how people like you, you'll talk to people on the street or in the store, things like that. Right. But you're not quite sure what they think until, you know, you find out later on, sometimes good and sometimes bad. I, you know, I, I had a, interesting situation because I didn't necessarily like the paranormal. I didn't, I didn't pursue it. I didn't do Ouija mm -hmm. boards. I didn't read books on these things. It just, it just happened that when I got to college, uh, my friend Jeff who lived next door to me in Erie hall, it was mm -hmm. named Erie after Lake Erie, but it sounds like scary Erie with two. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he mentioned to me that these two demonologists were coming into town, the college to speak. 
Uh, their names were Ed and Lorraine Warren. Wow. And I know I saw some of your shows, some of your guests have spoken about them pro yes. and con. Yeah. And, um, and so he said, let's go to that event. And I said, well, I don't really want to go to that event, you know, but it was free. I said, well, right. college and it's free. What, what could go wrong? It's, you know, and, and I have to tell you that the auditorium was packed. Uh, and Lorraine Warren at this point in time, we're still well known for the Amityville Horror, uh, right. other shows like that. And um, it, was, it was a packed house. Uh, the first thing I noticed uh, being in the auditorium, I was a teenager at this point in time, was that Lorraine Warren, uh, when she spoke, she seemed to believe what she was saying. In other words, she spoke with this authority. And I always like that when somebody speaks as though they know what they're talking about. And, and Ed was this uh, strong, booming, like Carnival Barker voice, like, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I have to say, you know, much like TV shows you might watch now, like Stranger Things or, you know, um, just New Black, these shows aren't necessarily real, but people enjoy them. And so right. I thought it was a good show. And they, they showed mm -hmm. these. Uh, slides, these black and white slides of supposed would be ghosts on staircases and things like that. And right. they also play what they call these EVPs and mm -hmm. these sounds. And it was it was a good show. Uh, I thought that's really cool. One thing that bothered me, though, is Lorraine kept saying this one phrase over and over again, and that was like attracts like. And I thought, no, it doesn't. Take magnets. They're like poles repel. It makes no sense at all. And so that was mm -hmm. kind of weird for me to think about. But she was talking about more about personality and spirit, and I didn't quite understand that yet. Well, at the end of this presentation, we got to go up and say hello to Ed and Lorraine. And when I got to the stage, she looked at me and she said, I won't shake your hand. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Maybe someone behind me is making some noise or something. But it was me. And she uh -huh. said, I don't know my future. You're going to read my future. I don't want that to happen. So that, that was very strange. And Ed got nervous by this. And he tossed me off the stage. So that was my my meeting with them at that point in time. Oh. And I was a little insulted, I was a little angry about that. It's like I get tossed off the stage by these people and you know, then uh -huh. they're gonna go on this ghost hunt on the college campus. And my friend Jeff asked me, well, what'd you do? What happened? Did you make faces? Did you? I said, no, no, I just, this is my face, you know? And so he went back to my room, C2D1, which is the C building, second floor D quad, first room of Erie Hall. And he asked me questions about my background, my past, my, uh -huh. my relatives. And I don't know, it was a lot of things. I thought that was it. However, about 11 days later, I was in my room and I began to hear this whispering voice uh, call my name, Chris. Uh, you know, and that's when things got a little strange. And I thought maybe it was a practical joke. But, you know, kids are doing that in the hallway and things. And so uh -huh. I, I got some headphones, but, st but stereo on. And I played, uh -huh. I can drive 55, Sammy Hagar. You know, the Red <laughs> I remember. Remember, I, I was playing the song and again, over the headphones, over the music, I hear again, Chris. At that point in time, I realized something is very strange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it began for me. You know, when you talk about Ed Lorraine Warren, you know, Lorraine Warren's reaction, I remember one of my first things that I, I, I wasn't a ghost hunter until after, you know, a while, even though mm -hmm. I had stuff going on in my house, you know, because you kind of push it aside. And I remember the first time I went in with a ghost team over at the Wilden Opera House to do, because I was a newspaper reporter at the time, to do a Halloween story. And one of the psychics walked over and said, you're sensitive, aren't you? And I went, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, because yeah, exactly. you don't know there's five people turning to face you. And you're like, uh, is that all right? You know, and so you have that reaction. I learned later what you know, what was going on with that. But at that point, I had no idea that that's what, yeah. that's what it was. The other thing you talked about, like when you went to college, you know, when I started 18 years ago with this team, I remember going, having, like, if, if I was filming a commercial thing or something, I would have to go down to the city hall 
and tell them that we were filming. Right. And I remember how awkward it was because back then people weren't into this stuff. Right, right. More so that's, now. yeah, that's what you reminded me, you know, when, when you were talking about that, because that's true. People don't realize it. And it's funny you said that because one of the first things that Jeff asked me back in the room was, are you sensitive? And I said mm -hmm. to him, of course I am. My feelings are hurt. Of course I got thrown off the stage, but he didn't mean that. He meant, again, that this spiritual sense. So it's kind of funny mm -hmm. how if you're not actually involved in this field of this parental research, the word sensitive means something different than it would mean if you're somebody who's trying to interact with spirits. So it's kind of how, mm -hmm. funny how there's a jargon associated with mm -hmm. most things. And this is the same thing included. Absolutely. So you heard the whispers. Yes. Did it gradually progress to seeing an apparition? Or how did that work? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the following evening, uh, my roommate, his name is Paul, uh, mm -hmm. he began to see shadows above him and he couldn't concentrate. And he thought maybe I was making these shadows. And I said, dude, I'm across the room 12 feet. I can't make those shadows. What are you talking about? And he said, well, this is I'm getting out of this place. It's crazy. And he left the room. And uh, I sat there and I was uh, reading a magazine about running. And I had these hot tamale candies which Giuseppe mentioned, I love hot tamales. And right. as I'm open the box, I see in my peripheral vision, right about here, a person standing there looking at me. I thought, well, that's not possible. It's a small little college room. The door is right in front of me. I can see it. I lock the door. I'm on the second floor. I'm 20 feet in the, off the ground. It's February. The windows are closed and locked. No mm -hmm. one can be there. And I learned as a young child from my mom's mom, my grandmother, that if you count to 10, it puts space between you and the event. It calms you down. So before a big track meet, before a big state test, I'd always, 1,001, just calm myself down. It helped to control my breathing and relax me, you know. And um, and so I began to count, you know, and uh, I got to seven and I saw the thing move a little bit. So I, I, I never got to 10, I got to seven. I looked and there I saw this thing just kind of looking like the head tilted to the right and just staring at me. I thought, oh my God, what is that? And I, I noticed that the legs of this person were actually inside the stereo he was like rising out of, of the stereo and i thought that that can't be and i i just when i when i thought about what i was seeing i figured my mind was broken i screamed i threw the candy in the air and i ran down the hallway saying help oh my god help help and i ended up the room next to mine on the floor cold curled up like a fetal position you know like an embryo shaking back and forth saying i panicked i panicked and that's when uh jeff came in the room with ed and we began to talk about what was going on that's the first time i had to admit to somebody i think i just saw a ghost Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What did the ghost look like? It looked like a, a human being, it looked like a person, a young man. Uh, um, I would say he looked like he would be a almost like a college student age, mm -hmm. you know, had like about a, like a moosey kind of brown hair, very pale, very pale. The mouth was ajar a little bit, little the eyes looked like they were like almost gray, like almost like pinpoints, very, very strange mm -hmm. things, you know. The it was wearing some type of blue clothing with like looked like yellow stripes on it. And the, the pants that I saw looked like they were like some kind of rough leather. I didn't, I couldn't recognize when I was asked what clothing it was. I couldn't say what it was. I didn't, right. I knew it was clothing, but I didn't recognize that style or brand. I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a polo shirt. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I can't tell. Sure. 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 No, I can understand that. I mean, it's hard, you know, just like the, the experiences I've had with even my psychic team and we've been on site with people saying, well, how's this, how's this little boy in my house dressed? And she would, psychic would describe that. And she goes, no, I don't think that's not what I, that, that, that's not what my impression was. Well, we're not aficionados. Mm -hmm. We're not fashionistas. 
to know this I've stuff. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I understand. Room, I'll wear the clothes later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from with that. Right. So, because the second you see something, you're going to see more and more and more. I mean, that's just just, just the way it usually works. Right. So, how how did that progression go? Well, we. You're right. Uh, I, I saw that. I didn't want to tell anybody. I, I thought it'd be embarrassing if I told people they think maybe I'm doing drugs, you know, and I don't want to think that maybe I was losing my mind or anything like that. And I was, a, I was on a running scholarship. I had to be careful of that. My, my parents had raised me to go to school. My mom left college to have me, give everything to have me. So uh, I, I felt it was up to me to stay in college and do well and respect my parents' effort and investment in me. So I didn't want to leave, but it was so scary. Uh, what began to happen is, uh, I first I asked my friend Jeff, who's next door, can you please write down what's happening, what I'm seeing? I don't know if there's a gas leak in the room, if there's drugs in my food, if, if there's some kind of mass hysteria going on, if it's a mm -hmm. hypnosis, if it's S just let's get some data here and I can bring that to a therapist. And I can talk to the therapist and, and he or she can then analyze me and either give me therapy or put me on medication because I didn't want to keep seeing this thing in my room that would get my, my goals. Many people want to find ghosts. That wasn't me, and, you know, and it was tough. And at the same time, I realized that, you know, there's something you just can't run from. Uh, mm -hmm. It became very active. It would open the closet door in my room. It would rub my foot at night with its cold fingers as I slept. It would watch me in different rooms and places. It was just, it's just, it's a weird feeling. Uh, when I heard the EVPs, the Warren played, the Warrens played, that could have been a goat making that sound, you know, right. belly, but it sounded just weird, like not quite right. When this thing would look at me and I get undressed, it didn't feel right. Like I was in the cross country and track team, rose naked, running around naked. But when that thing looked at me from the corner of the room, it didn't. It felt wrong. It felt like, like you know, not, not good. And it really freaked right. me out. And so it wouldn't leave us alone. It would sometimes look at my face when I woke up at night, be looking at me and breathing my breath out of my mouth. It would horrible things. And so eventually, Paul and I decided to get a priest. Paul, so let's get a priest and see if we can get a blessing done or exorcism because we can't keep doing this. And uh, mm -hmm. I thought that was embarrassing to me getting a priest, but that's what happened. We, we went to uh, uh, the interfaith center and we met Father Charles Manning, who eventually would come down and uh, bless the room. Mm -hmm. And after the blessing, did, did everything calm down? Well, yeah, first, and and that was the odd thing for me because you know he had he put oil on my forehead, tip of a cross. Uh, he had the Bible reading verses from that. Another book too. Uh, he read some some um, prayers from that I didn't recognize. Uh, he had like the the incense and things. So he had these tools, but I didn't know what they would do, you know. Uh, but after he blessed the room, for the next few days. There are no more flashing clocks, no more breezes, no more shadows, no more whispers. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. You know, I don't know how it worked, but I'm thankful that it did so I get my life back. Right. And about three or four days later, though, after I came back from my run, the attacks began. The physical attacks began on myself and Linda and Beth and the rest of us. So mm -hmm. I, I think it wanted back in that room. It did respect the blessing, which was kind of interesting to think about why it would do that. But it did. But I, it, I think it was desperate to be, keep talking to me and for whatever reason and try to have this this uh, relationship, as it were. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you talk about attacks, and then, you know, you, there's a lot of books out there about you know people that are, are attacked by ghosts or demons or, or whatever. How, yeah. how did that start? Because I know I know I've had instances when I've been out investigating and I've come back and I'm just dealing with with a dark entity, 
and mm -hmm. nothing happened at the investigation. But then as I'm going over the uh, the evidence, I'm finding bruises on my arms and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, at the time of 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 these attacks, I really thought this thing was vicious and evil. Um, mm -hmm. I would not say demonic. I don't know, but it was definitely seemed like it was cruel and nasty. Uh, what happened to me was I had come back from this long run in the countryside. I was in the shower in the bathroom. And uh, as I'm shampooing my hair and things, I see above me the shadow of the ghost. The same tilted neck and things like, oh, oh wait, wait, no, that can't be, that can't be. And so I ran out into the middle of the floor. I'm spell because I'm all wet, you know, And but there's maybe it's a person. There's no one in the bathroom. It's totally uh -huh. empty. So, okay, this is weird. I don't like it, you know. So I decided that I would turn the shower off so there's no flooding. And I go and maybe call the priest or something and get help because I don't want it there. And as I went back in the shower to turn the water off, I was hit. It felt like it was, I was stabbed. And I remember I was pushed up against the wall of the shower uh, stall, hit my face on it. I thought, oh, I'm going to break my teeth, you know. And uh, and I said, I'm fighting, whatever this person is. So I turned and I punched mm -hmm. out as hard as I could punch. And I knocked the shower curtain off of the railing and it fell to the floor. And there was nothing. And I remember I screamed, you know, who are you? What are you, God, the devil? You know, show yourself. You coward. I'm screaming. And then I look in the mirror above the sinks and I see my back is bleeding. I have these three like scratches that go from the top of my back over here almost down to my waist. I thought, what is that? I can't. And I felt bad for that kid. I mean, I looked in the mirror. I'm like, he's going to die. You see the movies, just the show. I mean, this right, is really right, bad. Right. And I don't know if it was the cold. I don't know if it was the. The pain or the fear, but I just fell on my knees and fell on my face. I was lying there and I, I couldn't move. And all I could do was see a droplet of water, a pear shaped bead of water on my wrist. I just looked at it for a while. Just I tried to focus my eyes on something. I didn't want to die, but I didn't know what to do. And uh, I remember in that droplet of water, I could see the room inverted. I thought, okay, it's refraction. Water refracts light. That's science. I like science. And then after a while, it fell off my wrist. Gravity would be pulled down off there eventually. I thought, well, that's gravity. You know, that's what it does. I, I looked down by my face and the grout from the tile was darkened and that's moisture. So I knew that science was working. I hadn't lost my mind, but what is this thing? And I, I just said to myself, don't make a face because my mom has to see me in the casket with a horrible face. It'll destroy. I can't get my poor mom. And so I just stayed to come and having yelled, my friends heard that Jeff came in and put me up the floor and put a towel around me and brought me in the room and Ed was there. And then Beth came in and it was, it was it was so scary to see all that, you know, and uh, I really think that at that moment in time, I was kind of lost. And they wanted to go to the hospital because I was bleeding pretty bad. And I said, I'm not going to go there. They'll think I'm self-harming. And they're going to drug me, sedate me, and that thing will find me. So I said, listen, let's, we made a different plan. The plan was to get some cotton swabs, some peroxide and bandages. And for 47 minutes, we just peroxide on the cotton swab, dab my back, ooh, make sure it's cleaned out, and then bandages. And so... That's how that was handled. That was scary. And it began to, it, it held Linda down in her bed. We had to help her. It knocked Beth unconscious. We had to help her. This thing wanted to get to me. And the girls kept hearing it call my name, Chris. So even though the blessing helped, it gave me uh -huh. a safe spot to go to. This thing was relentless. It was just relentless. And uh, like I said, it was a scary, scary time. I bet. It sounds like it. I can't, I can't even imagine the pain you were in. When they were cleaning out your pet, those wounds on your back too. I mean, that's got to be painful. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff was there, and and Jeff always had with him a notebook, a pen, and and a camera. He had a monocle uh -huh, camera, uh -huh. and he wanted to get a picture of the scratches because that's evidence. You know, we we had gotten pictures of the ghost already. We had we had EVPs we were, we were capturing, but 
the the back evidence is kind of compelling no and he says the, the light is fading out so let's get the picture now and i said jeff don't take the pictures you don't understand this is important i need to do this and i said jeff if you're my friend you won't take that picture because i really needed somebody to think of chris not the ghost boy i needed to know i'm okay they're not here for the ghost boy mm -hmm. they're here for me and my friend said oh I won't take the picture. And at that point in time, I knew I had a good friend because I came first. Looking back, oh, I wish we had, he had taken that picture. But in that moment, I wasn't investigating. I was surviving. Right. You know, and when you're, you're in a car accident, if you suffer a physical attack, you don't want to remember those things. You want to move beyond them. And so the most important thing for me in that moment was having a friend and he was there for me. So I was happy about that. So you didn't want to tell anybody about this stuff. How long did, did, did this transpire that, that this thing was attacking you guys? Oh, months, months and months and months. Um, eventually, it couldn't be contained. You know, once once the photographs came out of this ghost with the skeleton in my room and things like that, and uh -huh. once the photographs of me in the room with my shirt blowing back and paper moving and things, those are undeniable evidences. You know, this is before Photoshop was a thing, and we have the negative to show that. And so, you know, and and obviously Jeff's going to share the people and say, look what we have. This is amazing. Get their their ideas and things. So it's just a matter of time once the evidence was there that people began talking about the ghost boy. Of course, like any other urban legend, the stories were dramatized. You know, oh, Chris right. is in the room at night, clung ghosts from beyond, and he's controlling them. And there's nothing like that. I would throw things and run. But sometimes okay. the the public relations of of people doing the telephone tag just right. really take off from what the reality is. But but it wasn't kept secret for a long time and people had different reactions. You know, some people would say, dude, I'm out. I'm not part of this. Other people would say, this is incredible. Tell me more. Others would say that I'd, I'd sinned and I'm being punished for my past sins and this or a past life. Other people would say, you're some kind of holy figure. You're divine. It was just, there's so many odd reactions because back mm -hmm. then there were no TV shows like today. There were right. no ghost hunting groups. So it was just what you saw in exorcist movies or mm -hmm. written in the Bible. And there was nothing in between. Right, right, right. So along that line, you know, as this kept progressing, did you decide to ask, ask some, at least ask some questions, do some research, maybe to find out who or what this might be? Uh, Jeff uh, was excellent with that, as was Beth and, and Linda and, and some others. Mm -hmm. I honestly did not want to know who it was because I was afraid that if I got too close to it, if I talked too much, it would mm -hmm. attach to me. It would stay with me. I would never, never, it'd never leave. It's kind of like when you're in grade school and someone says to you, "Do you like me?" Yes or no. Circle one. You know, it's just your little kid. You know, right. handle those things. I don't want this thing near me or around me. And I know it sounds odd to people nowadays. Like this is the holy grail, dude. You're seeing a full bite apparition. It's communicating with you. You've a pre. I mean, this is what people dream of. But mm -hmm. it wasn't my goal. It wasn't my dream. It was a nightmare. You know, and, and so I didn't actually look into who it might have been until a quarter century later with the sci-fi show and I'm working on a film called Please Talk With Me. I didn't want to know. Um, at the time, our best guess was that maybe some college student under lots of pressure okay. had hung himself in that area because uh, that would make sense. But as the years progressed, um, people did some research. My mom did some research. Uh, Jeff did, Penn State University and others. And we discovered who it might have been, which is uh, really fascinating. Um, it took me almost three months to get the courage to actually talk to have a conversation. Okay. Uh, and in that conversation, thanks to what Ed Lorraine Warren had taught us and inadvertently in that seminar of uh, what okay. Jeff had been advising me, what the priest had told me, what Dr. Lawrence Kastler, the psychologist had said to me, 
I was able to go in with uh, some some ideas. And one of the ideas was that if you talk to this thing, ask questions that are closed ended, things that can be researched, things that can be looked at and analyzed, you know. And mm -hmm. so one of the things I did ask this this thing, this spirit was, you know, where are you from? And he responded by saying Danville. And you know, for years, you know, Dansville with an S, New York is a few miles down the road. But we found out later on it wasn't that. It was actually Danville, as he said, in Pennsylvania. We discovered 27 years later who this might have been. So it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, I, I respect lots of mediums and psychic and sensitive. I respect that. But, you know, we as human beings still argue in the flesh and blood right now. We can argue over sports, mm -hmm. over politics. You misconstrue things. Relationships always end up very well. So... When you add the veil like that, you can't quite hear as well and see as well. It's easy to make a mistake. It's easy to not understand things clearly. I live with this thing for months, day day after day after hour. I still didn't quite know these things. And I always mm -hmm. caution people, just be careful before you know something. Just see where the evidence leads to first. Rather than having your plan and try to fill the blanks in, mm -hmm. look at the evidence. Where does it lead you to? It's a safer bet because you don't want to ruin your name. Once you ruin your name, it's hard to get it back. And you're better off having credibility saying, I don't know. And here's what I do know. Or then saying, it's got to be this. Then if you're wrong, people don't like that too much, you know. And so mm -hmm. I'm very cautious about what I say. I had a good friend who's along with us. And I remember going to one of her seminars. She, she had one, one of the biggest paranormal groups in Northern California. And I remember the first thing she said is that if anybody calls themselves an expert in the paranormal, run. You know, that's the, not mm -hmm. right because there's no experts in this field. You know, we're, it's it's a learning, it's a constant learning curve, right. and yeah, I've always absolutely. stood by that. I've always stood by that. Yeah, you you can be an expert in finance. Right. <laughs> That's true, right? You can you can be expert in in gardening and things like that and cooking, but because there is no guidebook, there is no testing, there is mm -hmm. no syllabus, there is no shared understanding. If you say I'm an expert, you leave yourself open to lots of criticism. You mm -hmm. can be an experiencer. Uh, right, you you can you can be someone who enjoys enjoys their work. You can be serious in your research, but when you say an expert, you're asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So how was it had to have started to to affect your your work in college, right? And because I mean, you've got all this going on. And it's time. And it's yeah. exhausting. People, you don't realize how exhausting it is. It's it's what I call getting goosed by a ghost, because mm -hmm. when it happens, it just wipes you out. Yeah. Yeah, I, and in fact, you know, I mentioned about the physical attack, mm -hmm. and that was painful. But as you're suggesting, and I, I agree with you, the stress, the day-by-day -day draining um, was just a really difficult thing to do. I, I couldn't run anymore. I was off the team. I wasn't going to class. I couldn't sleep enough. It was just grueling, and I mm -hmm. didn't feel like myself. And, and one of the things that John Zappas said, he was from um, when a collector, was that he felt this was the beginning of an impression, maybe possession. Uh, that Tim Shaw felt that. And everybody, people have their theories about what this was. I didn't want to even think about it. And so I, I listened to what they say and, you know, and perhaps they're correct, but it was just, it began to eat me away, almost like want to possess mm -hmm. me. And that was a scary, scary thing. It was one of the reasons why I think that going to the priest was an important thing. I was going to say hi to, to Vince and to Bill Edwards and to Seppi. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you guys. But um, yeah, so um, I thought about leaving but again, I was embarrassed. My uncle was in Vietnam. I got shot twice and he right. stayed. Oh, I just can't go home saying I'm hearing voices, even though I really, really wanted to. Right. Uh, eventually, my roommate, my roommate, uh, Paul, did leave. He just got too crazy in the room and around us and things. And he moved out of the room and Jeff moved in with me. And that was mm -hmm. great. He became my rock. He became, you know, my foundation to build off of. So 
I would experience things. I would observe things as Giuseppe said in the chat. And then he would then write these things down. And in fact, he took like notebooks and notebooks, several of them of notes every day. Wow. He recorded uh, what I was saying, temperature readings, precipitation, foods we were eating, just to see what was going on. And and it was, it was fascinating to to see what he was doing. And and I, interestingly enough, even though it was done primarily for me to have something to share with a therapist or psychiatrist, mm-hmm. it became the backbone, became the spine to the sci-fi show, the travel channel show, the movie, please talk with me, what I'm working on right now with Netflix. So it's just a really amazing thing that, uh, uh, it's, who, who knew? I mean, they were, Charlotte, the worst three or four months of my entire life. And if you ask me what I don't want to talk about, it's mm-hmm. that. And, and ironically, ironically, there wants to know what this is about. And so it's one of those things where I can be selfish and say, I'm not doing it, but I've noticed people really seem to care about what mm-hmm. they, they really want to know what this is about because the one thing you'll have in common, whether we're in a blue state or a red state or a purple state, we're going to pass. We're all going to point and die no matter who we are. And mm-hmm. we have that in common. The question is what happens then? And so I think people want to hear about some of these things. And because I didn't want it to happen, I didn't like it, as my credibility to it. I was trying to prove anything. I was trying to disprove sure. it. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you eventually tell somebody at the school what was going on? I was oh no, I was afraid to get kicked out. Uh, the the um, the resident director of Erie Hall wrote me up on a couple of occasions because of the screaming young ah you know because mm-hmm. they were having a party. So I didn't want to say oh no we we were doing drugs. They kick us out and I and Jeff's mother had gone to the same dorm years before, so he had his reputation. So it wasn't like today where things are cool. If you go to that Erie Hall now. People celebrate this. There are pictures on the wall of me and the ghost. It's like this little shrine, like Hey Arnold with, you know, Hug Pataki, that kind of right. thing. Now it's cool, you know, that's on sci-fi. But back in the day, no, no, it was just taboo to even say those things. So, uh, and when, when he left Erie Hall in the middle of May that year, I never wanted to go back. I never did go back to that dorm for another quarter century until I was invited back to speak in a very mm-hmm. different situation, you know, so... And I really think that uh, I worked hard to put that ghost to rest. And I really think I worked hard to understand what it was going through. But I mean, how do you truly know? You know, it, right. out of the blue, it arrived just one day. And mm-hmm. so even though I thought it was resolved and maybe it's resolved, I'm never quite sure that one day I might wake up and there it is. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping mm-hmm. it did a good job. So my question is this, um, you guys did the research to see who it might be. Yeah. Okay, when when you came up with an answer, what type of person was this? Well, it's it's kind of it's fascinating. It's probably more odd than the haunting is. Uh, I mean, people have a ghost stories, but this is bizarre. When we were in the middle of this haunting, Jeff asked me, "What name would you give it?" I said, "I don't know." I said, "Tommy." I had a parakeet named Tommy, an uncle named Tommy. I just picked Tommy just randomly, no reason. Right. He asked Paul. This is his. He'd call it in another room. He said, "Tommy, like Tommy, can you hear me?" Another person said mm-hmm. Tommy, like Tommy Knocker. So like always people kept saying it was Tommy independently, not knowing what he said for different mm-hmm. reasons. So he thought, that's incredible. How would they all say without even just discussing it, Tommy? Mm-hmm. And I talked, I mentioned about the tilted neck and things like that. And uh, it turns out in 1779, uh, there's a scouting patrol party that went out in the Geneseo area looking for Native Americans and, you know, during the Revolutionary War. And one of the Native American guides warned this guy named Thomas Boyd, don't go out there to be an ambush, a trap. And he didn't listen. And 
they, they got caught. There's a, there's a scuffle and he was hung to a tree and his intestines pulled out and and left his head was like chopped. It's terrible, terrible torture. Well, anyway, Thomas Boyd, Tommy, was from Danville, Pennsylvania. So we found out 27 years later that this Tommy, Thomas, the head, the head from Danville, that was probably who it was. And then my mother discovered that on her side, the Hubley side, that Bernard and Adam Hubley, going back to 1979, found Thomas Boyd's body and gave him a proper burial. So my, we found out 27 years later that my predecessors, my ancestors, found his body, also in Pennsylvania. I thought, oh my gosh. So Tommy, Thomas Boyd, Danville, Danville, the tree, the tree, <laughs> all these connections, you know. And and I realized, I, I talked to him a little bit at the very end. I don't think it was evil. I don't think it was vicious. I think it was desperate. I think it had waited for all these, these you know, hundreds of years. And then finally, someone sees him. Someone can hear him, someone that he knows through the family line. And I think sure. that when I had the room blessed, he what are, you, what are you doing? No, stop, stop. And one of the interesting things was he was he died because he was captured. He couldn't run that fast. And I was a nasty ranked runner. I used to tell my friends, look at my legs. It's weird. Look, my legs is weird. If he had my legs, that's what happens. He doesn't get caught. He lives. So it all began to hook together piece by piece almost 30 years later, which is Really an amazing thing. Now, after you left the dorm, were there any more reports of him? Or, or did those th those go away when you left? Well, I can tell you what I do know. Uh, when I went back 25 years later, I did ask uh, the uh -huh. dorm uh, the dorm uh, resident advisor. I asked some of the students who live there. And uh, no, no one had, had heard or seen anything. And so I was very happy about that. You know, in fact, uh -huh. we were... They actually put us in that room, Jeff, and I had to sleep before we spoke. And so that was freaky, but we didn't say anything. So I think, knock on wood or anything I want to knock on, that I think that when I did speak to it and I asked to find rest, I think that it it did. I'm, I'm hoping. I Listen, uh -huh. when I saw that thing's face, that person's face, it was just so sad. I, I, never, I never saw anybody that sad before in my life. And I wanted to strike it. I wanted to hate it. I wanted to hate it. And I just, just couldn't do it. Because I just wonder, like you say, there's a connection to your family with that. That yeah. maybe he's been with you for a long time. And maybe by meeting Lorraine Warren like you did, it opened up your abilities. I think that's a, a fair statement, especially the second part. Because meeting Ed and Lorraine, it wasn't planned. I didn't want to do it. Just last mm -hmm. second, it was free. But when they're saying these things, I did listen to their words. I consider what they were saying. And mm -hmm. even some of the prayers they had. And so those things actually helped me to get through this and you're probably right because once you're exposed to new idea mm -hmm. then you can think that way so if you're doing out if you're doing addition subtraction that's all you know if they mm -hmm. teach you multiplication now mm -hmm. you can do it before you couldn't do it so you, you're exposed to that so i think maybe my mind was opened up to consider that and i think because he was killed in a tree that i ran past almost every single day across country not knowing I think that created the opportunity where, oh, he's sensitive now. That Jeff was asking about that question. So that's mm -hmm. probably what happened. I, you know, I'm, it's interesting because even though I had this experience happen to me, I'm not an expert. I know my own situation. Right. I know my experience. Right. I don't know if it's, if it's a common thing, if my experience is what normally happens or not, but I can share what I learned from it and how I survived it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
you say you 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 lived this you know, with this for a few months. Now, when you leave the dorm to go home for vacations, did you have any problems at home? I only went home one time. I didn't have a car. Um, this college was five hours from my home, and okay. so I went home for my birthday party in in the middle of March. And my father was a principal, uh, mm -hmm. a straight laced, uh, a disciplinarian, very intelligent. Emmanuel Kant and Piercism, you know, your five senses. He was not a ghost person, you know, and uh -huh. my mom was more invested in me being a good person and not ghost either. It's just there, you know, we, we had Jesus over here and Casper over here, you know, it's like, and nothing in between was the concept. Uh, but I did say to them the last day I was there, I'm like, oh, just sitting on found my classes, not running and there's a ghost in my room. They been <laughs> like, ha ha ha, funny. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't believe me that I was just being silly. So I, I, did, I said it at least, but no one took me seriously until the week I got back. Then horrible things started to happen with all the attacks and things. And I called my father and said, Dad, listen, I know what this is, but it's real. Whatever this is, it's happening. I, I need your help. And I don't want to ask for his help, but he's my dad, you know, and he drove up to see what's going on. And so that was, uh, you know, you we might argue with our parents. We might disagree with our parents. But the fact that my dad dropped everything and came up to help me. Regarding uh -huh. what you know was going on, was it a cult? Was it drug use? Was it special? He didn't know, but he took the time to drive up real quick and see if I was okay. And I, I'll never forget that because that's a lot of work to do, a lot of investment in me. So he, he spent the night. He saw some strange things. He didn't tell me. He just left in the morning saying, "Change your room." I wouldn't find out until another year, twenty years later. But he saw. But I like the fact that he he cared enough about his son to check uh -huh. on him. And Absolutely. so I take that. I take that as a high high compliment as, as far as, you know, how he, he views me. This experience that you had, you know, that you're obviously you're, you're going to be carrying it for your whole life, no matter what. And yeah. it's hard because I, you know, you see TV shows and we do the same thing on, on with our clients. Hey, now that we've got this out of your house, try not to think about it because you might draw it back in, et cetera, et cetera. But it's hard to not think about it. It's hard to not yeah. have that in your head. Did it make you leery? when you went to other places to stay, like even, even hotels and stuff? Yeah, I don't think a person can not think about trauma. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a, a youngster, I was maybe like 15, I ran a half marathon in the middle of town, New York, 13 miles. Mm -hmm. And it was um, a race to raise funds for homeless veterans. At this point in time, the Vietnam War was coming to an end and people had PTSD and living in the streets. It was, it was a sad thing to see, you know, regardless of how you thought about the war, when the soldiers came back like that, you think, oh, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. And so it was a fundraiser for them. And so the, they, they lined us up at the starting line, and they had a starter pistol. And your market set, bang. And they dropped to the ground. They screamed because wow. they had been in the war. Like, boom, like, mm -hmm. wow. And I saw, like, they didn't want to think about it, but they're just, boom. And I think that trauma, it carves grooves in your brain. It creates oh. a new way of thinking that's very strong because you want to survive the trauma. So if someone says, don't think about it, that means one thing, then experienced it because sure. you're going to think about it when the wind howls, when the lights go down, when you're mm -hmm. scared, when you're cold. It's just what happens as you're a human being. You can compartmentalize it a little bit at a time, but listen, it's it has been 38 years and I still mm -hmm. sleep with the sheets over my head. I still sleep okay. with a light on. I can't be in, my, sure. in a room because and it's, it's not logical. Nothing has happened like that in 38 years, but mm -hmm. I'm so traumatized by that moment. And so, yes, and I, I I try to talk about it, but it always, once you're opened up, you're opened up. And I remember 
we went to uh, Virginia Beach for our summer vacation not long after that. And um, we went to Colonial Williamsburg and we're in this big room. My mom said, let's take a picture of you and by this by this you know big room, this big fireplace. And and I, I stood there and as I'm posing for the picture, you know, geez, for your mom, right. I hear the clock go boom, boom, three times. I'm like, what the? And I see a woman run past me screaming on fire. Ah! I'm like, what is that? So the picture, I'm like, right? So what happened? I'm like, they didn't say anything. We sent the pictures away like you did back in the day. It came back the following month, and there I am. And there is a clock, a white clock face by my head at 3 o'clock. You see the back of a woman's hair on fire. My mom's like, oh, my God. So once you're opened up to it, you're opened up to it. And that's right. the way it is. But right. I don't go on investigations because to this day, people, the, the ghosts will still draw themselves to me and talk to me. I don't, I'm, I'm t I don't want to take the responsibility. I just don't want to do that. And so kind of like an old athlete, like an old baseball player, like Willie Mays, right. you know, like that, or Derek Jeter. I had my cool moments and their Hall of Fame moments, but now I'm a little older, I'm a little more tired. Let the young people go out there and do their thing. That's just mm -hmm. how I am. It's, uh, I'm sorry about that, but I just, I don't like to investigate well, because absolutely. I shouldn't really No, I, I, I understand perfectly. Yeah. I mean, there's not a hotel, you know, knowing what I know and what I've done, even though I am an investigator, I still like to lock my front door at night and walk away from it and not deal with it. I don't even watch those shows. Yeah. And I know when I travel and I go to a motel or a hotel, that's in the back of my mind that there could be something there. I mean, it's always going to be there for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's a survival mechanism. Uh, for example, if I can say, Charlotte, let's say, for example, one of the people in the chat room today or people listening on at home or watching mm -hmm. YouTube, I say for a moment, if tonight they lay, they get into bed, they lay, go to sleep, and they wake up, and some person's looking them over their bed, they'll right. never forget that. How they get in? Who are they? Is it dangerous to call the cops? Because you've been violated, and so mm -hmm. once your house is broken into, you lock your door twice, lock your windows twice. Because now if it's a ghost, you get to call the cops. So mm -hmm. it, it does. I mean, traumatize you because you want to survive. You want to mm -hmm. use things to, to live, and and when when your 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 bubble is is pierced. You know, uh -huh. it's, a, it's a horrifying thing, no matter if they're living or dead. What do you say to people that might have an encounter like that? Well, I, I think the first thing is you want to put yourself in a spot to survive and to, you know, get through it. And, and I tell them some very basic things that apply to any kind of trauma, whether it's bankruptcy, depression, addiction. You want to make sure you eat your food, eat meals, eat uh -huh. your food, taste your food, enjoy that moment. You want to put some music on and just listen and just watch all dance, just feel good about things. Remember, you're a teenager again and you're going to conquer the world and everything's wonderful. Do that uh -huh. for yourself. Also, write things down, have a diary and record, look for patterns of these events. Those simple things really do a lot to keep you in a good place, even if things are bad around you. So, uh -huh. if you're rested versus tired, you're better off ghost or no ghost. If you've had food versus starving, you're better off ghost or no ghost. If, if you play the music and you're in better spirits, you're better off ghost or no ghost. Also, all those things, I think, they're very basic, but I think they apply to almost every area of life. And the journaling is the same thing, whether you're going through a, a divorce, whether it's some kind of thing where you're trying to do financial planning, write down your information until you can look at it with some space over time. And Jeff was great with that. And so we look back and say, interesting. It happened at this time, three times in a row, this exact time of the evening, or the weather is like this. And so we look for ways in which we could anticipate maybe right. be more active or less active. And that gave us some control, not of the thing, 
but of when we can expose ourselves not to it. And that was, I think, also uh, very important. So that's what I would say to them. I, you know, uh, people see things differently. You and I, Charlotte, you know, both human beings, but we might disagree on things or agree on things. Right. But we both want to live. We both want to be happy. We both want to enjoy our lives. And I, I think those basic things I share with you are good for anybody. Now, the activity in, in, in your dorm, did it happen practically every night or was it sporadic or how'd that yeah. work? Yes. Once once I saw the thing in the corner that first night, it uh-huh. was basically every single night. And I would see him in the, wow. the gym locker room after cross-country practice showering. I would see him at the library behind the book stacks in my uh-huh. classes in the hallway. In fact, it was worse at night because when you're sleeping, you're not observing. Your, your eyes are closed. Uh-huh. You don't hear things. And you're lying stationary for a long time. And I can't tell you how many times I woke up with a thing right there looking at me. I just I'd run out of the room screaming. And so I began to sleep in different areas. So I would sleep out by the vetting machine in the lounge because the vetting machine would kick on to cool the drinks and wake me up like, okay, where am I? I sleep in, in Linda's floor and Beth's floor and, and Ed and Jeff's floor. I'd sleep different door. I mean, I'd move from night to night to slow it down, had to find me. And that got just exhausting. And so when the priest blessed my room, it gave me at least the, the idea that the concept, I was safe there. And I wasn't uh-huh. ever attacked in the room after that. It seemed like it was okay. So even though that blessing didn't stop the ghost, it didn't get rid of the ghost, and the attacks got worse. That blessing allowed me to sleep and survive the haunting because I had a safe zone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you talked about, um, after, you know, after you knew what had happened to this gentleman and then and t- telling him essentially, Hey, it's okay for you to go. You can cross, you know, there's, there's no reason to be here. Yeah. Were you getting better communication from him at that point? Because you were able to talk to him a little bit more on, on, on his level. Yeah. One of the things that helped was, and, and Jeff was very big on the investigative material. He wanted to get mm-hmm. the photographs. He wanted to get the recordings because he felt that even though I don't want them at the moment, I will someday to share mm-hmm. these things. And so he, he and I went to see Dr. Uh, Lawrence Kastler, who is a professor of psychology, and he said to us, get some uh, audio recordings of this, this ghost on the Maxell tapes. The tape recorder. We didn't have cell phones back in the day. We couldn't just do that. Right. Right. And so we went to the room. We, we made sure the windows doors were locked. And I'd ask questions to it in this box and come back and he'd have answers like, you know, please help me. I'm like, wow, it, it would talk back and forth. And so it understood our, our language, it understood what I was asking it. It would comply with things. And so there began to have this dialogue, indirect dialogue, that was kind of interesting. And so I began to understand more of what it wanted and how to deal with this situation. Mm-hmm. So that by the time, uh, by the time we get to late April, when I, I thought, okay, my friend Craig said, just don't do it, just talk to it, get rid of it, because mm-hmm. people are getting hurt still. I felt confident enough to go in that room and break the blessing and just talk to it and ask questions. But it was still really, really scary. But like anything else, like mm-hmm. chopsticks, the more you practice the skill, usually the better you're going to get. Right, 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 right. And then I just had a thought about that too. Were you able to tell whether he was aware of the fact that you were a different generation than he was, or, or was he just, do you think he was stuck in that, 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 those years that he had lived? I think he went back and forth. I really do. I think there were times where he was back in the past saying, How do I survive? How do I get out of this? And that's why he wanted uh-huh, to get my uh-huh. legs. And other times he would just try to communicate with me. He knew that it was the present. You know, he heard the music was different, he the sound. So I think he would kind of, I know it sounds odd, but go uh-huh. back and forth as to how he, he went. And perception is a big thing. You know, like when when Ed tossed me off the stage, Ed Warren, I was upset. Like that's that they're mean. 
years later, 29 years later, uh-huh. I met their daughter, Judy, at an event. She goes, oh, my gosh, you're, you're, the, you're, you're, the, you're, the, you're, the, you're Chris. My mom loved you. I'm like, no, let me tell you, you know, what happened. And you had the wrong Chris. But her mom said, because Judy was scared to go to the events. She didn't like the ghost stuff. She'd stay in the car and work on puzzles or draw things. And the parents uh-huh. would come back out after the event was over. And they were paid to do these things. So they had to make sure they did the ghost investigation. Sure. Put on a show. It's what entertainment is, right? Uh-huh. And so apparently her mom came out of the college that night, Jenna Sue, and said they met this young kid with this huge aura. It's this bright aura. And that was so bright, she couldn't read people. She couldn't read beyond me. And she was afraid that if I would block her and she couldn't do her sure. job, which is to like glean things and be sensitive. So it wasn't fear or anger, it was respect. Like, I, this is a but not now. We got to do And so. They didn't, it wasn't personal law. In fact, they thought highly of me. So, but I didn't find out that for 30 years. I felt kind of bad about that. And luckily, toward the end of their lives, um, at least with Lorraine, I was able to communicate a little bit. And I, I have two bookends behind me of the Spanish monsters from Ed Warren's library, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I got to talk to, so there is some nice closure on that. But uh, just to show you that I, I thought I was pretty smart, I went to college, I graduated, I'm an educator, but I had that wrong. You know, and sometimes we get stubborn and sometimes we get proud, prideful. And uh-huh. I just didn't understand the moment. And there was, I didn't pursue the closure, you know, uh-huh. and so I thought it was interesting to say. Uh-huh. Now that you're older and, uh, you know, there's a, like, like we'll you say, there's, yes. <laughs> there's a lot to think about in retrospect. Yeah. Are there any ways you think that just thinking back now that, that you could have handled it better? Oh, definitely. Oh, gee. Uh, yeah. Um, that the phrase goes, if I knew then what I know now, mm-hmm. uh, we would have these amazing videos of this thing talking to me. It's just it'd be incredible. But at the same time, because we had Jeff had to think like six negatives left on his film camera. Mm-hmm. We'd be very careful. We, we had to be careful what we took pictures of, because there was no Facebook or TikTok or mm-hmm. anything like that. There's no feedback so we were just very quiet in our room studying library books and calling Wilson things like that the occult looking at different evidence so it, it actually afforded us a quiet place to study objectively and not have to be influenced by people or put things out there for studying things so negative negative is that we had less technology but the positive thing is that we were forced to understand at a slow pace which made us think and actually jump to conclusions I would have been more proactive. I would have asked more questions. Mm-hmm. Would have had allowed Jeff to take more pictures of my back, but it's not a real, a real answer because I can't go back and do it differently. And right. I, even though I was scared, I was a kid. Even though I made mistakes, I always meant well, and I was always a good person. And my, I was good to my friends, and they to me. And I learned about people who there are inside, not on the outside. I learned about believing in myself. I learned about struggle mm-hmm. and about listening more than I judge. Uh, so in a way, I guess it's kind of good it did happen the way it did because I really appreciate being alive and I appreciate uh-huh. talking to you right now. I've my, my publisher, Bill Edwards, the publicist, he's just an amazing person. He's helping me get things out there. And uh, Mark Atria directed uh, this film, Please Talk To Me, that got me out to Penn State, which led NBC to find me and put me on sci-fi. I mean, I've been blessed by so many good friends. My friend Jeff, I mean, just it's been a wonderful thing. Even now, my friend Vince, who works on bracelets and things like just, I've been blessed by people who invested in me and mm-hmm. because of this this haunting. And and I can't say too much about it because of a non-disclosure agreement, but uh, I just filmed for a miniseries on Netflix. 
about my about nice. my life, my experience. You know, I'll be out next year. It's uh, a documentary. Nice. So, what a blessing is that, right? I get to write a book about this. You see, it's kind of cool. So, right. all these right. things are happening because I didn't give up, and because people believed in me. I really, you know, I really admire you because I mean that is something really, like you say, something really traumatizing to go through, and and and, and you kept it to yourself pretty much. I mean, that took a lot. I didn't want to share negativity. Uh, for years, I thought, who wants to hear about being attacked? Who wants to hear about blood and scare? How does that add to the dialogue? And then it took me literally two decades when I think about was filming with Please Talk With Me, the independent film, when I realized the fact that I survived, the name of the book is on the evidence you, you show on the screen there, was right. the key. I survived. So how did I survive? And maybe someone can learn from that. You know, you can't recreate uh -huh. those things. I, I'm serious. I, I am so blessed to have survived that. To have my parents to be with me today, to have all the friends that I have and the opportunities to go share. And uh, every time I speak, there's someone new in the crowd. And I always make uh -huh. sure that I share 100% what I can do to involve them in this so uh -huh. that they uh -huh. don't waste their time. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, last question for you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a great interview. I loved every second of it. Thank you so I much. You. You're standing on the strip in Las Vegas. Yes, and you got and, and and you got your book, and you want to tell your story through your book. But there's other guys out there that may have similar stories to tell. Yeah, how do you get people to buy your book? I just stand there. Um, if I, I believe that if you put your cup out, it's filled. I would not. I'm I'm not an advertising kind of guy. I don't have I don't have anything like that. I just people find uh -huh. me. I sci-fi reached out to me netflix reached out to me i just i stay in my house i live my life help teach my kids and word of mouth people meet me and hear about this and the survivors of this haunting and it it tells itself i don't compete for any space if somebody else's louder gets more attention we'll get for them if they need uh -huh. the attention hooray you know if they want the attention hooray. i don't i'm happy to be alive and if one person comes over and says hey what's happening over here and i'll share I, it's for me, it's never been a competition. I, I don't need the attention. The reason I, I do the TV shows and write the books are because eventually I'll go. I won't be here forever. And then right. there's something beyond me to be shared. Because it's uh -huh. not really about the ghost boy. It's not really about me. It's about uh -huh. my friends. It's about growing together as people. It's about looking into the future. It's about staying positive. That's the real message. I am nothing without them. If there's uh -huh. no Jeff, there's no Chris. If Father Try, there's no... I'm not here, my, my parents, I'm not here. So it's not about me, what I want. It's just, if if someone finds value what, what I've done, I'll share with them. And hopefully they leave a, a better person. They make a positive inch in the world. It's, I know it's very altruistic, but I believe that. Oh, I've, I'm totally in belief of that as well, as well. Yeah. This hour has blown by. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And thank what's you. next for you? Well, I, I'm in the I'm in off grid mode until Netflix drops, probably next uh, August or, or or September, and then uh -huh. there'll be the tours and the books and all this, the merchandising and things like. I'm just laying really low, trying to get myself to lose some weight maybe and get myself back together again, like I was when I was younger. Uh, people want to go to cita citaventures.com. There's information uh -huh. there about what's happening in the future. Um, uh -huh. I'm on Facebook. It's you said it very close, Christy Cesare. Um, okay. I'm there and just say hello to me. I'm, I'm, I like talking to people and seeing things. I'm not very good with technology, but I try my best. And sure. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing my granddaughter for the holidays. And that's going to really make me happy. And where can people get your book? Well, they can't. Right now, they can't. Everything's okay. Okay. off the shelves. It's, everything's out of print right now because okay. 
this book right here, which is edited mm -hmm. by New York Times, um, is going to be the final version of everything. And so that'll be out okay. as soon as it came from Netflix. They're going to hide that. Say as soon as soon as the show <laughs> drops, then I hit the ground running, and they'll be able to get everything they want from me and I'll be making appearances and things. So I'm a little older now. I have to kind of pace myself. I'm not, <laughs> you know, but, uh, so, but again, in the meantime, while I'm in, off the grid right now, they can reach out to me seriously on Instagram, right. on Facebook and through seedadventures.com okay. or shows like yours. You know, you, you reached out to me and you're very polite and I watched your shows. They're amazing shows. I said, yeah, I want to do Thank that. You. You know? Thank so you very much. I'm here and I, I watched a David Oman show, a bunch of your shows I watched, you know, and they're very good. And I, I think what you're doing, if I can say, is a mm -hmm. great thing. You, you allow you. people, you allow people to experience ideas, to open their minds, and you bring in guests who can do that. And you do this basically on your own dime. I mean, you're this is your love, this is what you do, and mm -hmm. you make a positive difference. So I'm very proud of what you do. Thank you very much. I'm very and again, you know, I, I'm honestly being honest with you. I admire you going through that and surviving mm -hmm. it like you did. And you're you're you're, you're well adjusted. For the moment, you know, other than maybe the PTSD tell, that, yeah. that goes on, you know, off and on. I mean, I sleep with the light on, okay? I mean, here I'm a ghost hunter. I sleep with the lights on because I hear whispers in here. And I, you know, there's things right. going on here. So, yeah, I, I do the same stuff. So, it's, 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 it's I, I understand where you're coming from. All right. Well, thank you. Maybe we can catch up when, you're, uh, when, when your Netflix show comes up. Absolutely. I'd love to come back on. All right. That's great. You have a good rest of your evening, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye, everybody. Good night. All right. I was so eager to talk to him and his story. I have read about that. I, I read his book, I, and I have read about his stuff in the past, seen, seen him on TV. So it, it was a treat for me to have him on. Tomorrow, we're kind of shifting gears. Um, Nancy Matz is, uh, me of Nancy Matz is out because she's she's had some eye work done, and she'll be out this week and next week. However, we have a fill-in for her tomorrow, and that is medium Karen Clark, who's been on my paranormal team for at least 10, 10 or 11 years. So she's going to be filling in. So she's going to be talking about dream interpretation. So it should be an interesting show tomorrow. All right. That being said, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you despise my show, that's fine too. We're just trying to get the word out. So share it with your enemies. Uh, you know, because I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to get the word out, keep those numbers going and, and uh, hit some numbers goals. Uh, so I'd really appreciate, you know, a nice word here, here and there and uh, or a negative word, but, you know, any publicity is good publicity is what they say. Anyway, I will let you guys go tonight, and I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. We do, for people, for the folks that have, are that are new here, We I broadcast uh, Sunday through Friday. And Sunday is a reading day where I will read from a true paranormal theme book. And uh, it, it, it's a nice day. It's kind of, it's kind of like a wind down from the weekend, and I get, let's get ready for the week kind of thing so people can relax. So uh, join me on you know, Sunday through Friday and uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Different things, you know, like I said, paranormal. Uh, I read through from a paranormal book on Sundays. And then the rest of the week, I'm talking to, to, to gentlemen like Chris and other topics. So join me, and I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening.